You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. shit that's happened recently nothing nothing with us you know what did happen in spooky news that we've already talked about today oh yes elvira came out Woo! and she's been in a, a relationship with this woman for 19 years that's so cute it's i like, love oh. it i love it <laughs> so tears. good so good I'm love it for you yes yeah. we're having feelings yes that silence was us having feelings <laughs> Which we can see in each other's faces, but you can't see because like, you can't I'm see I'm awkwardly us. gritting my teeth a little bit. Um, but yeah, so that's yeah, exciting. That's exciting. It's not our personal news, no, but we do love it. But it is still very exciting. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we're in episode 61. Yep. We're in the second spoopy week. I'm Brittany Vitrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But First, Let's, Let's Talk Nerdy. I'm fine. I'm fine, and that wasn't anxiety-inducing, and I don't have to watch you, like, open it to make sure I'm opening it at the same time. So, for my spoopy episode two, (laughs) two, yep, okay, I am talking about the Cecil Hotel. Oh, shit! Yeah, yeah. So, everyone, just just be careful. Uh, We do put a trigger warning here. It talks about, we have suicide, we have murder and death, we have a lot of mental health, there's some rape mentioned, so just be warned, if that's not your thing, fast forward to Martha's section. Mm-hmm. We'll put it in the notes when I post, make sure you remind me. I will. My sources today, mm-hmm. um, I listened to a podcast called Strange and Unexplained by Daisy Egan, a podcast called Stuff You Should Know. Like, oh, I love stuff you should yeah, know. Yeah, they were very good. And then uh, Wikipedia. I read an article in People Magazine or on the website. I didn't actually find the magazine. With this oh my god, let me find it. <laughs> Going through the fucking library of People Magazine. <laughs> an article on oxygen true crimes <laughs> by Gina <laughs> and um, a while back I watched Netflix uh, The Vanishing of the Cecil Hotel which is meh. but it has some interesting tidbits in it it's also there okay the Cecil Hotel was built in 1924 or possibly 1927 not 100% sure <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a okay I know this is too early to interrupt, but that seems like if somebody has bad handwriting because some people's fours look like seven. It's true. It's true. And it can be very possible. Mm-hmm. So depending where you look at some places say 1924 and some places say 1927. If you squint. If you, <laughs> it's true. By three men, uh, William Banks Hanner, Charles L. Dix, and Robert H. Shops. And it was meant as a destination for business travelers and tourists. It was designed by Loy Lester Smith, and it was constructed by W.W. W. Patton. And the hotel cost $1.5 million to complete. In then money, right? Then money. Yeah. So if the, the podcast that I listened to said it was around $15 million now money. Oh. 
That's, but I don't know if they were right. I didn't. I was going to say that's way less inflation than I would have expected. Um, it has a nice marble lobby with stained glass windows, potted palms, and alabaster statuary. They invested about two point five million into the enterprise with the knowledge that several similar hotels have been established elsewhere downtown. And it sat right on the line of downtown to where the rich part of L.A. was. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was right by the public transit at the time. So they thought it was a really good area. That would make sense. Unfortunately, within a couple of years of opening, which could either, it says, I just put five years, but it could be more. It could be less depending on when the opening date was. The Great Depression hit the United States and this hurt the Cecil. And it hurt the area that was right by them real bad. And that's when Skid Row became Skid Row. Oh. For those of you who don't know what Skid Row is. I could use it, a refresher. It, here's a little refresher. It's at this time, it became increasingly populated with homeless, sex workers, mental, uh, mental illness, drug use, and runaways. And this made the very few people who were actually traveling and touristing in the Great Depression not want to stay at this hotel. Also, a small sidebar on Skid Row. Uh, It's a neighborhood in downtown L.A. that's made up of 56 blocks, and it's one of the poorest areas in the entire world. Holy shit. And it has existed for nearly 100 years now. There's nearly around 10,000 homeless people that live in this four-mile radius. And... Sidebar, sidebar, something that LA needs to, California needs to fix. They literally have like blockades and barricades up and just kind of push people in there. And if you're homeless or need help, all of the resources are in Skid Row. So you're like forced to go to Skid Row. And it's just awful. All of it is just populated by people who have nothing. So they're everywhere. And yeah, it's awful. So. Let's not get into the politics of that. And how it would be way less expensive to just rehome all of our homeless than to just be dicks about it. Yep. But hey. Yep. So, though it's unclear exactly why, this is probably around the time that the Cecil turned to just being a tourist hotel and also starting to rent out rooms long term as well because they weren't making any money. And so they started renting rooms for cheap to try to keep afloat. By the 1960s, the L.A. streetcar system uh, that was right by them ended up being torn out, and that was basically the final nail in the coffin for the downtown area of any kind, which then was what led to the Cecil losing whatever hope that it had. Uh, walking around the neighborhood, you can actually still see the anchor hooks at the corners of the building where the streetcar cables used to connect, and it just has never recovered in 2007, a portion of the hotel was refurbished after the new owners took it over, but it didn't really help. In 2011, part of the Cecil was rebranded as the Stay on Mean. This had a separate, <laughs> uh, uh, yep. Y'all uh, tried. Oh, that's <laughs> cute. It had a separate reception <laughs> area uh, and during the day, and but it did share facilities and the official website was uh, remainthececilhotel.com. <laughs> I think it had a separate elevator too. And then in 2014, the hotel was sold to a New York City hotelier at Richard Bourne for $30 million. 
after which another New York-based firm, Simon Barron Development, acquired a 99-year ground lease on the property. In 2016, Matt Barron, president of Simon Barron, said he was committed to the preservation of um, the architecturally and historically historically significant components of the building, such as the hotel's grand lobby, but his company planned to completely redevelop the interior and fix the hodgepodge work that had been done in the more recent years. The hotel closed in 2017 for the renovation, but the work has been suspended indefinitely with the COVID-19 pandemic. So, Martha, I know what you're thinking. Why are you talking about a hotel? We're in spooky season, so how am I talking about this hotel? Because I know you know nothing about the Cecil Hotel. I've never heard of it before. (laughs) I've never even heard the word Cecil before. But I'm going to tell you, this building is spooky as fuck. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So... I assume this building just got cursed by Faye or something because it has no luck. It sometimes is no luck. that's how it sometimes, goes. Sometimes you just pop a lot of tires. All right. So even before the shitty luck of the Great Depression, things started to happen in the hotel. Strange and bizarre things just kept seeming to pop up. Ooh. So two years after the hotel's opening... A 33-year-old distraught woman named Dorothy Robertson wandered around the hotel for three days after unsuccessfully trying to poison herself with prescription meds. So she was just fucked up for three days, and finally someone brought her to the hospital. Uh, yep. Mental oh, health no. is going to be a big part of this, too. Oh, well, I'm, I'm very excited <laughs> for that. I'm sure that'll make everything feel great. <laughs> So the hotel has become a home to series of suicides and murders. Before 1940s, the newspaper reported various suicides, including at least one person who took a fatal leap from the structure. Soon enough, long-term residents began to refer to the building as just the suicide. God. Yeah. And so the first first chunk, I'm literally going to go over everything that's happened in the brief but everything that's happened in the first chunk I'm going to read are all more than likely suicides. Oof. Yes. Some could be accidents, some could be murders, but they all were just listed as suicides. You know, 1920s. Yep. All right. So after the woman who wandered around the hotel for three days before someone fucking got her help, in, 19, in January 1927... Percy Ormond Cook shot himself in the head while inside the hotel after failing to reconcile with his wife and child. The Times reported that he was rushed to the receiving hospital with a slim chance of survival, but then his death records revealed that he died the same evening. November 31st, a Manhattan Beach resident, W.K. Norton, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison capsules. He had checked into the Cecil under the name James Willies, um... The week before from Chicago. (laughs) But why would you pick that name? (laughs) All right. In September 1932, a maid found Benjamin Dodich uh, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to his head. And he did not leave a suicide note. Uh, In late July 1934, 
a former Army Medical Corps Sergeant Louis D. Borden found, was found dead in his room at the Cecil. He slashed his own throat with a razor. Oh, no. He left several notes, one of which cited he had poor health, which is his reason for suicide. Oh, God. I know, right? Also, ugh. Yeah. In March 1937, Margot fell from the ninth story window. Her fall was broken by telephone wires, which Ooh. were wrapped around her body. No. She later died at the now demolished Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Police were unable to determine whether Margot's death was a result of an accident or a suicide. Yikes. Oh, God. In either late 1937 or early 1938, the United States Marine Corps fireman Tom, uh, Thompson jumped from the Cecil top floor and was found on the skylight of the neighboring building. Marine Corps. What I say? You said corpse. Uh, I always do that. <laughs> I did that in my stupid Green Lantern episode. Well, when you think it's like, and I always it it looks like corpse. It should be corpse. It's but corporation. Yep. Hey, here we are. <laughs> Admitting that something is dumb. <laughs> All right. In May 1939, another Navy officer, Erwin C. Neblet, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison. Then in January of 1940, a Dorothy Sojourn ingested poison while staying at the Cecil and was reported to be near death. Nothing else was published after that, but her death date is listed as January 12th, 1940, so like a day later. Mm-hmm. November 1947, Robert Smith died after jumping off the Cecil 7th floor, uh, out of the window of the 7th floor. Ugh. And then in 1954, a San Francisco firm employee, Helen Gurney, jumped from the window from the 7th floor and landed on the Cecil's marquee. She had been registered at the Cecil for a week under the name Margaret Brown. So just when the Cecil thought they might have broken their bad change of the chain of events, in February 1962, Julia Moore jumped from the window of our eighth floor and landed on the second story interior light well. She did not leave a suicide note, but among her possessions were a bus ticket to St. Louis, 59 cents, and then $1,800 in her bank account, which I assume is a bunch of money in 1962. Yeah. Because I'm pumped about $1,800 in my bank account I was going to say, I'd be very happy with that. That's good. I'll take it. In December of 1975, a still unidentified woman jumped from the 20th floor. Nope, 12th. I was like, I don't think the Cecil is 20 floors. It's not. 12th floor <laughs> onto the Cecil's second floor roof. She had registered oh. on December 16th under the name of Allison Lowell, but that wasn't her real name. See, okay. Neither of us believe in ghosts. But as a person who would take the money of a person who believes in a ghost mm-hmm. anytime, any place, why wouldn't you just buy it and then put it open for ghost it's things? It's true. There are so many it's ghost true. things, and there it's are plenty true. of people who You're are like, I would love to do the thing. Sidebar, our friends on Ghost Adventures spent tonight in the light. Something <laughs> <laughs> touched me! I, mean, I was like, this It was me. Thing. It was me, and I was being a dick. <laughs> Oh, shit. Shit. I'd go on exactly one ghost hunt. (laughs) Don't invite me to your ghost thing. Don't. I am... It's only gonna piss you off. I mean, I'm... I'm gonna be... I would love to go. I would love it. 
I would have a great fucking time. But. (laughs) (laughs) I was also thinking of the time that when I went to uh, Disney with my high school and we, I went on the haunted mansion ride, and it like shut down at one yeah. point. And uh, one of the people who I was sitting with, my friend Colleen, just reached over while well, everybody's in perfect darkness to the next car, and like brushed her hand against somebody's face, and then moved away. And that's it. Did they scream? Of course. <laughs> we're like <laughs> trying to keep my my incredible guffaw that is like you're convincing this person that ghosts are real and that's the funniest fucking thing in my life. Oh, God. <laughs> that wouldn't work now, though, because everybody would pull out their cell phones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there'd be light. Exactly. Uh, Alright. On September 1st in 1992, the body of an African-American man was found in the alley behind the seesaw. The police said that he'd either fallen, jumped, or been pushed from the 15th floor and the 20 to 30 year old man has never been identified. Ugh. I know. And then the last known probable suicide was in June of 2015. Ugh. The body of a 28 year old man was found outside the Cecil Hotel. Some conjectured that he may have committed suicide by jumping from the hotel, although a spokesperson of the county coroner informed the Los Angeles Times that the cause of death was, had not been determined. He has remained unnamed. Though, I believe they know who he is. The family just didn't want him named. Oh, that's um, fair. But the source did that I was reading did say that the management told them that the man was not a guest of a hotel, the hotel, and he might have been a possible intruder. And, okay, so now that we know why this place is called a suicide, we're going to move on to all the other weird and creepy happenings at this hotel because... All the other nicknames for it. Yes, because it's not just a whole bunch of unfortunate suicides. There's other weird things that happen here. It's not just a bad place where there are a lot of mentally mm-hmm. ill people that congregate. Yes. There are also other terrible things. Yes. We're going to get into that. Ho ho! So in September 1944, 19-year-old Dorothy Purcell was sharing a room in the Cecil with her 38-year-old boyfriend, shoe salesman Ben Levine. This is not important. I feel like there are, like, four Dorothys in this story, and I'm really hyped for it. That's all. Good so, name. So, Dorothy, who had apparently been unaware that she was pregnant, mm. went into labor one night. Oh, no. So, not and, that. Yeah, but she just, she was like, oh, I have weird stomach pains. So, she got up and went to the bathroom, not wanting to disturb her sleeping and much older boyfriend. And gave birth to a baby. No, thinking oh, the baby no. was dead. It's I getting, didn't it's getting know worse. I was pregnant. Oh no! And it's getting worse. Thinking the baby was dead, she thought she gave birth to a stillborn. Threw it out the window, no. and it landed on the roof adjacent to the adjacent building. It wasn't. So, in case you guys couldn't figure it out, it was not dead. Oh god! It was a living baby, but it did not survive the fall. Obviously. Um, so she threw her loving baby out of the window, and she was charged with murder, um, but three psychiatrists testified that she was mentally confused, which would make sense. You're 19, and you didn't realize you were pregnant, and a baby just came out yeah. of your vagina. Well, anytime somebody has, like, a full, like, I didn't know I was pregnant, yeah. and then I gave birth. Like, That's there's, horrifying. There's something there. I mean, I'm, this is me 
non-knowing, but, like, that's a whole thing. Well, there was a whole show. Yeah. There's a whole show on it. Exactly. Because it happens. Your body just doesn't register Mm -hmm. any of it. So they said she was mentally confused at the time of the incident. So in 1945, she was found not guilty by the reason of temporary insanity. God, this is dark. Right? And then in October 1962, Pauline Auden jumped from the window of her ninth floor room after an argument with her strange husband, Dewey. He had left the room after their argument, and that's when she jumped out the window, apparently. I'm sure that's how that went. I'm sure that's how that went. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm despondent that you left she, me after we, this argument. We got in an argument, and she left, and she turned up dead a day later. She got out of the car, and she's dead. It, just so you know... The spouse always did it. So Pauline jumps out the window after her husband left after their argument. Because he was so cruel. And she, but the super, well, I mean, sad Pauline jumped out the window considering she probably didn't jump out the window. She landed on a pedestrian, (gasps) George Gianni. And she killed them, and he died instantly. That is actually, like, a nightmare that I've had. Yeah. Like, he just happened to be, like, the five seconds. You're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yep. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Um, So there were no witnesses, so I don't know what time this was at. So uh, initially, they thought it was some kind of weird together suicide. Yeah. But the police, but then they realized that... Gianni had his hands in his pockets and his shoes were still on. And one, you're not going to have your hands on your po- in your pockets no. and you're jumping out the window. And two, usually when you fall because of the fall or because of impact, your shoes will fly off. That makes sense. Yeah. So then they realized she landed on him. Fuck. Yeah. It's fucked up. Cecil Hotel. Yeah. Oh my God. Now we move on to... I'm just going to have, like... I'm going to have, like, permanent wrinkles at the end of this episode. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, I'm just... <laughs> in bed. Now we're on to the... Murders. I mean... Now we so, can talk about the fun shit. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's not fun. No. But it is less... <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, the first recorded murder, I guess, other than the... But that's extreme circumstances. Yeah. Happened in June of 1964. Oh, what? They never murdered anybody in the 60s. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they did at the Cecil Hotel. They did literally everywhere. It was their favorite fucking thing. So in 1964, a hotel worker discovered someone named Osgood, known as Pigeon Goldie, a retired telephone operator. She was dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room was ransacked. Mm-hmm. Osgood was well-known in the area and in her, and earned her name, her nickname Pigeon Goldie because she was always seen feeding the birds oh. at Perishing Square. Uh, near her body was... Is that Perishing Square or Pershing? It's probably Pershing. Okay. It probably added... But, I mean, who the fuck knows? We're in Skid Row. God. (laughs) It's just like two on the nose. That's rude. Uh, Near her body was her Los Angeles Dodgers cap that she always wore and a paper sack full of birdseed. Hours after her murder, a Jackie B. Angler 
uh, was seen walking through Pershing Square in bloodstained clothing. He was arrested and charged, but was later cleared of the crime. And the remur- the murder remains unsolved. Jacques. Jacques. Mm-hmm. There's no ES, even though there's an ES. So S's don't do anything in French if they're at the end, unless they're before a vowel. All right, everyone. Guess what? I never Same took with French. X's. Just so you know. So That's I don't know how to speak any French. I got you. So yeah, so the murder remains unsolved, even though he was walking around with blood. But back then there wasn't DNA, so... Or, they, I was going to say giving shit. That's but it's still it. true. Still, but no, we have DNA, DNA now, so they could have been like, no, that's her blood, you fucking murderer. Back then all they could do was test, like, blood type. So if you had O, you were fucking screwed, because everybody has O. I don't know. I've asked several times, and then they were like, you're anemic. <laughs> what's, well, what's your mom and your dad? You don't know? No. I'm sure you could ask him. My dad's O, my mom's A positive, and all three of us are A positive. So I'm the blood type that can only give to A positives, but I can receive any blood type. <laughs> if that isn't your personality in a nutshell... <laughs> Fuck score scoroscopes. Horoscopes. What's your fucking blood type? Yes, let's do some anime shit right here. (laughs) You need a moment of levity in this terrible time. (laughs) There you go, I gave it to you. Thank you. Thank you. It was still about blood, but it's fine. <laughs> it was a funny fact. A funny another <laughs> another thing that very much defines me, apparently. <laughs> My blood did. Okay, so after that, uh, it's even said that Elizabeth Short, aka for those of you who don't know, the Black Dahlia, had been seen at the hotel bar just days prior to her infamous murder. But this is something that is not. Proven. Hearsay. Yes. So, if you think this isn't crazy enough, more crazy. Not wrong with this place. Just you wait. Here's some. Here's some more, more. from Cecil- a person who doesn't know anything about it. Tell me. <laughs> the Cecil Hotel, Martha, was home to not one but two serial killers. So, there have been two serial killers <laughs> that have been living slash staying long-term at the Cecil Hotel. Which is fucking bonkers. Which is bonkers. They're probably not related, but they think we'll get into that. So, they're the having main one. the same free breakfast. <laughs> yes. They really <laughs> wanted I'm sure they those... didn't have a free breakfast <laughs> at the Cecil Hotel. They do, and it's like three, like, fucking... Well, it's the cheap free breakfast where it's like, here's two muffins and box cereal and apples and bananas. TBH, I love some box cereal. (laughs) She does. But I would also like some eggs. Make some fucking shit, you butts. Yeah, it's not free fucking continental breakfast if you're not making anything. Yeah, no. And get fucking Greek yogurt. I don't want your fucking sugary fucking Yoplait yogurt that has 19 grams of sugar in it. So, these serial killers. The first one, Richard Ramirez, ah. known as the Night Stalker. 
this second Night Stalker, apparently. Apparently, they called fucking the Golden State Killer Night Stalker very briefly. Night Stalker was Golden like, State yeah. Killer had like 800 names, but he's just either the fucking East Area Rapist or the Golden uh, the Golden State Killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Richard Ramirez, known as the Night Stalker, resided in a $14 per night room in 1985. I wonder how much that is now. Yeah, same. In early 1980s, he killed 13 women. It was mostly able to remain under radar thanks to the fucking building's seedy reputation and all the transient <sighs> occupants and no one really giving a fuck or give a damn because it was on Skid Row. That's so fucking... Yep. It was said that Ramirez would come back either covered in blood or he would just stitch his clothes outside and come back in mostly naked and no one would fucking question anything. And then he would just leave his bloody clothes outside. And it was just Skid Row. So they didn't care. This may be another reason why you want to clean up Skid Row. Because people can just fucking murder people. Well, and no one, no one bats an eye. Just give half a fuck about give literally half a fuck about person. a person. A person. God. Sidebar. I also heard, which I don't think is true, the one victim that he gouged their eyeballs out, he might have eaten their eyeballs. Ooh, ew. But that might not be true, so don't quote me on that. But I did hear that. That was something one of the podcasts said. The texture would be so icky. Yeah, they'd be squishy, but like, it's like fucking broccoli stems. No. I imagine that's what an eyeball would be like. No, it's much worse because it is like jelly. Ew. Yeah. I imagine you have Most to really, like, of what into is... it, and then it explodes in your mouth. Yes. And that's, like, a gusher, but not great. But awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Because, like, your eyes basically mostly fluids that are just, like, kept big and, like, eyeball-shaped from the imagine... pressure inside it. Well, he gouged someone's eyeball, though. Yeah. I don't think I don't think he actually did, but that is something that was tossed around on a few of the things I read. I wonder, I was going to say, do we eat any eyeballs? Is that a thing? I think it is. Like, is there yeah. some sort I of I think an there is an animal, thing? but I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. No. Anyways, while you look it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sarah Killer number one looked up eyeball eating and it's the eyeball eating amoeba that like if you wear your contacts in the water gross yeah buddy don't wear contacts in the water be very careful about your fucking contacts please be careful about your contacts eyeball delicacy (laughs) I wish there wasn't pictures Fish, mostly. Yeah, t- that doesn't surprise me. Nope. I think I was going to say a fish thing, yep. too, but that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I looked at why, what do fish eyeballs taste like, because that was the first thing. They Salty? Could... Well, no. Well, maybe. I didn't get that far, because the first thing that comes up is fish eyeballs have a gooey texture. Ew! <laughs> it's it's bolded. Blech. Why? Blech. 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 I definitely am a texture person, and that makes me want to die. They say it has a texture of oyster. I don't even eat oysters. Have some 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 people say it's it's like a fish flavored grape. (laughs) So I imagine that's kind of how eyeballs are, as long as you cook them. I don't think a serial killer was I fucking eyeballs. I assume he didn't. I assume he gouged them and this ate isn't them. some like fucking Hannibal shit. <laughs> Anyways, 
moving on. So then in 1991, Jack Untenweger, he is Australian. I know, yeah. I've heard of him. Is he Austrian or Australian? What is it? He's one of those. I don't remember which one. He says Austrian. Oh, I wrote it. You did. Okay, I just didn't finish the sentence. And also, okay, (laughs) both of us are idiots. His last name is Unterweger. It's obviously Austrian. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Good day. (laughs) Unterweger. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, so in 1991, Jack Untenweger, who is clearly Unter- Australian. Unterweger. Un- what am I saying? Untenweger. Jack Untenweger <laughs> was reportedly a resident in the Cecil, in the Cecil, and he ended up killing, while well, there, as far as I know, three Los Angeles sex workers at the time. I think I listened to it. I definitely listened to a podcast. Yeah, he's pretty fucked up. Um, the reasons. Australian journalist. Austrian. <sighs> I got you. <laughs> That's why I'm here. To the- correct you. <laughs> the- <laughs> Needlessly about dumb tiny things. It's the only thing I have. Shit. Alright. I think these get more fun now that we're only doing them bi-weekly because we can only shit on each other bi-weekly now. <laughs> well, I mean, we shit on each other all the time, but it's this gonna say, way. Yes, we can only publicly shit on each other bi-weekly. <laughs> no, that's fair. Shit. Okay. So the um, Austrian, I almost said Austrian. <laughs> Uh, so the Austrian journalist had previously been convicted of murder and was released in 1990 after he was thought to have been rehabilitated. Uh, okay. And like, so he, uh, he strangled this woman with her own bra. I do remember. Oh, no, I very much remember. And he went to jail thing. for yep. it. Mm-hmm. And then he was a fucking narcissistic Model psychopath. Prison. Yeah. So he is charming. And they literally preached on him of how their prison rehabilitation works. Like, he was the example. And then he killed three sex workers when he was at the Cecil, excuse me, and when he was convicted, he ended up being convicted of nine more murders on top of them. Yeah. Because he was a serial killer playing everyone, because that's what psychopaths do. That was the two serial killers. Oh, they do believe They're not 100% sure, but they do believe that he did specifically choose the Cecil Hotel because of Richard Ramirez. Oh. Yeah. They think he was playing a little home. A fanboy thing. Yeah. Ew, you guys are so goddamn gross. gross. Yeah. It's not proven, but they do believe that is a reason why he chose the Cecil. Mm-hmm. All right. So last but not re- least, and the main reason why most people probably know of the Cecil Hotel, even more than two fucking serial killers, is of and course, and all those other deaths, is of uh, course, Elisa Lamb. Poor Elisa Lamb. Poor Elisa Lamb. I'm not going to try to get too, too detailed because this isn't about her. It's mm-hmm. about the Cecil. But there's a lot of shit and a lot of stuff around her is is very creepy. Yeah. It's a weird story. But also a lot of sh- stuff 
is so much bullshit. Yeah. And I oh, think fuck yeah. and a lot of podcasts do talk about it and the and, and a lot of stuff does actually go over it in the the documentary on Netflix and it's only fair to shed up true light of what's really going on here and she deserves that because yeah. it's an, a very so, sad unfortunate so story. Sad. Yes. Um Elisa Lamb, she's 21. She's a little stressed about life. She's in she's college. She's only 21. She's I only think 21. I knew that, but yeah. also, God. Um, and she decides she's always wanted to do a little tour of Cali, so she wants. She decides to go off and do this on her own. But she's she 21. Goes, yeah, she's 21. She can do it. She's in college, but it's probably break or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she goes. She has a plan. You know, San Diego, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, all all of the parts of California. She's from Canada. And her parents are a bit strict, but they are very loving. Um, so she sets off on this adventure by herself, but she does keep in touch with them daily. And she also keeps a Tumblr online and she uses it mostly as a journal, but she keeps it public. Mm. Um, so we do know that she suffers from bipolar and probably depression as well. And she takes medication for it. Um, so she ends up getting a reservation for three nights, uh, starting on January 28th of 2013, um, at a, the shared youth hostel room in the stay at main part of the Cecil Hotel. She checks in as she's supposed to, but then on the 31st, she never checks out. That's the same day that she doesn't get in touch with her parents. And this is, she's into her trip now. She's already done a few things. So this is at least a week or two into her trip. So the fact that she doesn't check in, her parents instantly get worried, know something is wrong, and they instantly report her as missing. The hotel ends up just bagging her stuff and moving it into storage, which is something that they do when anyone on their checkout day, they go in, they check, no one's there. Mm-hmm. Anything that's left, they move it into storage for 30 days. And then after 30 days, they throw it out. But what was weird was when, so the police get the the uh, missing person. So they do go check it out. And though they can't like check the whole hotel, they can go into her room and check her belongings that she left behind. And she did leave behind things like her wallet and her keys and her meds and things that you just don't think someone would leave behind. Yeah. But it's like leaving without your shoes. Yeah, but it's not something that they, you know, if you're a person it is who what takes meds, they're on you. Yes. So, but it is what it is. They can't find anything else on her. And it, you know, once again, it's she's an adult, like the checkout, you know, whatever. There's no, there's no sign of foul play. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, Hotel guests are complaining about water pressure and the water tastes foul and smells bad and has a weird color. So maintenance goes to the roof, which is where they keep their giant water tanks because that's how they supply all their water. And so the maintenance, as a check, they climb to all of the tops of the tanks to look in to see if anything's clogging it or whatever. So he climbs up one and he notices that the lid is open. Mm-hmm. When he looks inside, he sees the body of Elisa Lamb nude and floating in the water. So the, pe- the police are notified instantly and this is when they really start their investigation. The hotel looks through all of their camera footage. They send it to the police when they do find a small chunk of footage with Elisa on it. So they have cameras, but not a lot of cameras. So they have a camera in their elevator and they see Elisa in this video. 
This is the probably one of the most known videos yeah. for this case. If you've never seen it, just go watch it. It's or don't. It's a weird. It's a weird video. Yeah, I'll go over it very briefly. She's on the elevator, and she is pressing almost all of the buttons. It skips or it doesn't skip around, but she does. She bounces around. So she's pressing all the buttons, and the doors aren't closing. This is probably the weirdest part of the video. The doors aren't closing. And then she, so she's kind of sitting there waiting for it. And then sometimes she pops her head out. She looks left. She looks right. Almost like she's looking for someone. Pops back in. At one point, she looks like she's hiding in the corner of the elevator. At another point, she actually gets off of the elevator. And she's motioning with these crazy hand gesture gestures that are almost unnatural. Not just I am literally talking with my hands now, but not typical talking with your hand gestures, extreme gestures, gets back on the elevator. And then eventually she just gets off the elevator and she walks in one of the directions. And it almost looks like she's talking to someone, but you can't see anything other than the elevator. And then right outside where you can see out of the doors of the elevator. So if there was someone there, they're off camera. And then she leaves, and after, a, a, you know, another few, uh, 10, 20 seconds, the elevator doors finally close. And at one point, she's pressing the buttons again, too. I forgot to mention that. She already pressed all of them. At one point, she comes back on, and she's pressing them all again. So this this video is crazy. This is where all of the conspiracies, yeah, everything comes everything from. Spirals so out. the police put this video out. And they put it out simply to be like, hey, have you seen this girl? Do you know this girl? Do you, do you see her? Did you? And, and of course, all of the web sleuths barrel down on it. And there are, like I said, there are some crazy things about this video. She looks literally scared. Like, she definitely looks scared in this video. Like, she's someone's coming after her. Or she's scared of something. She's trying to get the elevator going. The other thing about this video is the video is nearly three minutes long. And there were some people saying that they even cut a minute out of the video. The door does not close. What elevator door stays open for three to four minutes unless you're keeping it open? And I don't know about cheap hotels or it back in 2013, but if you hold the elevator door open for more than like 45 seconds yes. now, it makes that obnoxious. Eh, no, I yeah. just hear Dragon Con in my brain. Noise, eh, noise because it's been open too long. It makes a noise. So I don't know what's going on with the elevator. And that's probably the weirdest part of this whole case. <laughs> this weird elevator. This is where, like I said, all the web sleuths just go crazy. There are theories upon theories of what's going on. Evil spirits in the hotel. There's some weird elevator game that apparently originated somewhere in Asia possibly Japan, but there's a few other places that say different things yeah. that you press them in a certain order and some lady comes on the elevator and then you get trapped in weird well, dimensions. It sounds like it was a creepy pasta. Yeah. And it wasn't, yeah, it essentially was a creepy pasta. 
And she isn't pressing them in a certain way. She presses them and then she keeps pressing them because the elevator's not doing anything. There's obviously the conspiracy that she was murdered, that she committed suicide. There's even one that she was part of some weird experiment that they say was happening on Skid Row at the time. Uh, of course, more than likely, the real answer, it was just the poor girl's mental health. Yeah. And some bad reporting. And bad reporting. So, uh, Elisa Lam was diagnosed with bipolar and the meds she was on for, she was on it for, she was on meds for it as well as antidepressants. And she publicly put on her Tumblr her struggler struggles, her good days, her bad days, all that stuff is all publicly on her Tumblr. Uh, days before the fatal day, which is not some, this is something I just found out today listening to these podcasts. Mm-hmm. She had roommates at the youth hostel okay. at the stay in Maine when she first checked in. And they complained that she had weird behavior. We don't know what the weird behavior was. There are no reports on it. Mm. So she was moved to her own room. And she was even supposed to go see a live Conan show. And she got kicked out for disrupting behavior. Oh. And she didn't go to get to see that show. So, other than the weird elevator door being open for three minutes, mm-hmm. there's essentially no sign of foul play or even suicide. But there's a lot of signs of... All of it just seems like she fell off her meds and was having a mental break. Like an episode. Yes. Oh. Um, yeah, that's always... There's a good chance that she did think she was in danger, that she was seeing something or hearing something or whatever because of this episode, that there may have someone she even thought was actually after her or some weird spirit whatever it's possible in her head this paranoia was real there was a panic which made her go to the roof in one of two ways there was the stairs which the Cecil Hotel kept being like they're locked there's no way if you get up there that alarm sounds off someone who was trying to see if this was true went in just a random guest and just went up to the roof no lock no alarm no nothing so that was defunct that's after having this after having this issue it still wasn't locked or alarmed and then there's also fire escapes you can get up the uh, to the roof on these fire these fire escape ladders which for a regular person probably wouldn't do it but someone who's in a panic thinking that they're getting chased they will go up this fucking fire escape to try to get away Mm -hmm. it's not out of the realm of possibilities and then she was trying to hide she's on the roof she got herself to the roof she's thinking she's being chased she's thinking she's in danger and she's trying to hide so she climbs up into this water tank, opens the door, and jumps in to hide. Can't and they can't get out. So this door is small. Mm-hmm. They actually had to cut a hole in the water tank in order to get her out because they couldn't get her out through this door. So the possibility of someone dragging her up this ladder and forcing her into it is very unlikely. Very difficult. Very unlikely. Very difficult. And though the cause of death is sort of still like unknown, she died of drowning. Yeah. So... It's unlikely. It's not like she was killed and then put in there. She had no other signs of trauma on her body. So then people are like, well, why were her clothes off? Obviously, maybe. So there's no sign of, there's no sign of any kind of rape or any kind of abuse like that. And why were her clothes off? Now, 
she's in this tank and she can't get out. And, and clothes she's are wet. Panicking. Clothes are wet. And they're heavy. Clothes are heavy. They are extra weight. You're wearing fucking it jeans is, in the exactly. water. If you've ever gone swimming in, in jeans, jeans and then awful. been like, oh no. So if you've ever gone swimming in shoes. It's, yeah, everything's awful. Just so shoes. More than likely, maybe now she's in here, she's starting Anything to her mind starting to, to clear yeah. a little bit. Whatever. She is taking off her clothes to get rid of the excess weight so that she can tread this water longer to try to figure out how to get out. Which is probably why all of her clothes were in the tank with her. Mm -hmm. So mostly everything that can happen that happened to her can be explained in a a sad story of mental illness. Mm -hmm. It's another sad story of mental illness, but that's another rabbit hole for another day. So we're talking about, I did, like I said, that was important to talk about it because there's so much junk about it on there. And it's important to know what really happened to this poor girl. So keep with the Cecil. It's, Awful things are happening here. Why do things keep happening here? The manager from 2007-2017 who was on the Netflix series said that there are probably over 80 deaths that were not reported to the news while she was the manager there. A lot of drug overdoses and natural causes that just didn't go into the news. And there were usually one to three 911 calls a day placed at the Cecil Hotel. So this place is... Creepy. It's, yeah. Even it's though nothing place. is supernatural, because I don't believe in that, terrible. but everything yeah. is bad here. It's Something, everything about it. economic, yes. but also it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. And it just has, you know, bad things just keep, and it has, now it has that thing. Now it's like, okay, well, I can commit suicide over here. Okay, I can be a serial killer here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just one of those things. I don't know how a place like this even stayed open that long. They closed it. I suggest they keep it closed indefinitely. Open it for ghost hunters. <laughs> um, before it can reopen Skid Row, we have they have to figure well, something out with Skid Row. That is unfortunately that's the not main, a like older yes. thing. That's yes. a bigger thing. And please, 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 if anything, your mental health is important. Take care of yourself He's because literally everything that happens here all has to do with mental health, whether it was and unfortunate money. suicide. Yes. But the unfortunate suicides, the murders, I'm sorry, those fucking murder, psychopath murder, serial killers, all have fucking mental problems. Like it's all unfortunate mental health. So this is hotel. Stay closed for now, at least for a long while. And okay. happy Halloween. Have you been searching for that one heavy metal podcast that covers all of your favorite geeky topics as well? Well, look no further. The Metal Geeks Podcast is here to save the day. Whether you are into video games, films, comic books, theme parks, or even, yes, heavy metal, then the Metal Geeks Podcast is a place for you. Check us out on all of your favorite podcasting apps, and we are proud members of the ESO Network. Keep it geeky, and keep it metal. Welcome to Dr. Geeks laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today.
So. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> had I known that you, that you were doing this and going to go first. I probably would have done a different topic. <laughs> oh, Bob. Welcome to our depressing episode. Of our no, no, it's not depressing. Oh. It's just... I've been doing Final Destination. <laughs> so it's very irreverent. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. My half is going to be way more funny, but just as terrible. We had our fun episode last week with fucking Factor Fiction and Crypt Keeper. I did 30,000 Crypt Keeper laughs. You guys have to love me. That's the rules. <laughs> so today I'm going to be talking about the Final Destination franchise, which uh, is great and also fucked up. Um, my sources today are um, so fandom... No, I don't think I used Phantom actually at all today. I used Wikipedia. Um, I read a bunch of articles, but I didn't quote them, so it doesn't really matter about those. But uh, the articles that I did quote are uh, All of Death's Kills from All of the Final Destination Movies Ranked by William Bibiani. And uh, can I just say that it is goals to, to get paid for something like that. Holy shit. Did you watch all five movies and then be like... I'll, I'll just write this ang- article and somebody will pay me. Beautiful. The Liberating Beauty of the Final Destination Movies by Bilge Abiri. And um, In Defense of 2000s Horror, An Age of Torture, Tank Tops, and Wikipedia by Allison Foreman. Cool. So, Final Destination is an American horror franchise consisting of five films, two comic books, and nine novels. What? Who is reading those that they were able to make nine? I don't know. How could you possibly make this fun if you have to read every excruciating detail? I don't understand. But yeah, so it was based on an unproduced spec script by Jeffrey Reddick uh, that was originally written for the X-Files TV series and was distributed by New Line Cinema. All five films are set around a small group of people, it's different every time, who escape impending death when one of the individuals, who is always the protagonist, uh, has a sudden premonition that is incredibly goddamn detailed about everybody dying in a horrible fucking gruesome mass casualty accident, and uh, he warns them... or. They warn them, because sometimes it's a lady. Um, the log one was a lady. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> the log one that has fucking destroyed our whole generation. Yep. Yes. They should just ban those trucks from the, the street. Mm-hmm. If you can't put them in a truck that is completely enclosed, then yep. cut them and make them smaller. So I was going to include this later, but Jeffrey Reddick literally... Like, mentions, like, I'm pretty sure I've saved a bunch of people from being killed by log deaths. <laughs> He's like, how many people have this issue? And, like, every, every single person. goddamn one. <laughs> As I do a hundred past the log truck. <sighs> nope. Yeah, and of all of the, and I've rewatched all of them recently, um, of all of the Final Destination ones, uh, movies, where they have their first, like, big fucking accident where everything goes to shit. 
that is the one that sticks in your mind until you die. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've only, I haven't watched any of them, but I only know there's the plain one and then mm-hmm. the log one. Yep. No worries. We'll go into all And the log them. one has scarred me and I didn't even watch the movie. Yep. <laughs> it's, the log one is the, so of all of them, if you yeah, had to go for realistic. like, it's also the best written one. Like, they do the best job making everybody not as shitty. They all kind of bind together. It's, like, a pretty enjoyable movie. I like it. So, protagonist sees a sudden premonition, warns them all that they're all going to die in a terrible mass casualty accident, and because they avoid their foretold deaths, the survivors are killed one by one in bizarre accidents caused by an unseen force, creating complicated chains of cause and effect, resembling Rube uh, Rube Goldberg machines. Some of the fun parts... So Jeffrey Reddick was the writer. Uh, He is... I don't think he lives in Tennessee anymore, but he's biracial and gay. So I was like, oh, it's always nice to see that more of my life is just... Like, every person who's affected my life is actually just a little bit gay. Or a lot gay. That's great. I like to hear that. But basically, he got into horror when he was young, and he <laughs> he really loved uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And at the age of 14, he wrote a Nightmare prequel and sent it to Bob Shea at New Line Cinema. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> and he kept in touch with him. And then that's how he ended up like coming to work at New Line Cinema. So was, that's a really cute story. <laughs> that was fucking adorable. But um, apparently one day he read an article about a woman who was on vacation and her mother called her and said, don't take the flight home tomorrow. I've got a really bad feeling about it. So she switched flights and that first plane cra- uh, ended up crashing. But the studio was like, uh, so who's who's the bad guy? We don't really get it. Like, what the fuck is the deal? And he's like, if you're not going to show it, what are what are people trying to fight against? And it's like, that's the whole goddamn point. That's what point. makes it extra scary. That's what makes it... Because it's not just like, like a physical scary thing to everybody. It is death. It's yeah. just where things are going. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is inevitable. That's just how things are. Uh, Even though I still call bullshit because death still killed all those other people. So oh. they should get their pro quo. Death does a whole goddamn mess with them. He's like, these are my rules. And he's like, just kidding. (laughs) At least in Final Destination. But probably in real life, let's be real. But uh, fortunately, the director, James Wong, was like, we're not going to throw a spooky Grim Reaper character. Oh my god, that would be so dumb. I know. Oh, could you imagine? Oh my god. It's just like a spooky, like... In the background of every picture, there's a weird Grim Reaper character. Ugh, God, God. it would be so stupid. It would be so stupid. That would make it so much, I mean, it's already ridiculous, but, like, so much less scary. It wouldn't be scary. And, like, this can still, like, you don't, it's not scary scary because, you A, you know everybody's gonna fucking die. Yeah. And, B, the gore and gruesomeness is just, it just hits silly and keeps going but there's like because you know everybody's going to die there's a super mounting unease and they do a lot of like you're in this very spooky place or not spooky you're in this like you're in a kitchen with a thousand ways where you can die or you were at the dentist and there's a bunch of different things and instead we do this about face and then you die this other dumb way instead it's good times 
So instead, Death's approach is conveyed by like, kind of, it gets a little breezy, there's a little bit of a shadow, and then you just are like, uneasy. And, you know, I'm sure they do that with music and just visuals. Here's a spooky pointy thing. Oh, no. Before claiming its victims in cruel and unusual ways, transforming uh, seemingly innocuous everyday objects into elaborate traps that end with the luckless victim crushed or decapitated. Gotta love that shit. So, uh, Reddick's story placed... uh, an invisible force at the center of a genre uh, that was previously dominated by recognizable slasher villains, and the risk paid off. It became a surprise hit, earning back nearly five times of its $23 million budget, and the freak accident um, element came to dominate the Final Destination's legacy, but there's still that, like, death is unavoidable and that's the shit that's there and uh reddick said of it i love the fun splatter stuff but i also love trying to find a universal theme or fear that everyone can relate to and final destination did tap into that and then uh like i was saying about the log truck earlier people still tell me when they get behind a log truck on the, the highway they still wonder is this my time to die i don't know if a lot of films have that kind of impact One of my favorite things about really any part of, like, weird pop culture is it's, like, weird lasting. Like, the part part of it that becomes, like, part of the zeitgeist, like, now this is part of who we are. (laughs) Like, you've never seen a Final Destination movie and you're still afraid of these things because they are part of something that, (laughs) they're part of our culture now. Like, why does that happen with this weird over-the-top horror movie that, like, isn't really even that good, but, like, it like, it doesn't have any huge implications about anything, but yeah. it's still here. I don't know. That's my favorite thing. Like, somebody saying, it's, get, it's if anybody ever says it's getting hot in here, any person who's like, so take off all your clothes. Like, why is that still here? <laughs> why is that still a part of my brain? But it is. It's there. And I cannot leave it. So, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, the log truck became a very popular internet meme because obviously every person has had that fucking fear. And uh, the films are peppered with a lot of dumb warnings like that, such as look both ways before you step into the road. Otherwise, you might get hit by a bus. And then they might use it as the DVD commentary. And it's so fucking jarring when it happens because the person's like, everything's fine, blah, blah, blah. She does literally one step, boom, bust. Damn. Gotta love that. And then uh, always use a non-slip bath mat. Never pour freezing vodka into a hot mug. Because some will explode and then hit you in the neck and you'll die. No, but it could crack and then everything else could just spiral from there. And we will get to that because it is probably one of my most favorite deaths in all of Final Destination. OG Final Destination. Why would you pour ice cold vodka into a hot mug? Because you're a fucking idiot? I genuinely don't know. Okay. But yeah, so... In the original Final Destination, a high school student <laughs> called Alex Browning uh, boards Voli flights. Uh, <laughs> they couldn't put a real airline on there. They never. <laughs> yeah, but also this. that's a dumb name, and I'm mad about it. I guess it was the worst 
yeah, whatever. They're going on a flight to Paris, uh, him and his classmates and some of their teachers. And uh, before the takeoff, Alex has a premonition that the plane will explode um, in midair, killing everyone on board. And it's a super detailed beat by beat this thing happens and then you're like oh i know exactly what's you're gonna say this dumb thing next and then and then it happens like that he has this premonition this vision and when the events from his vision begin to repeat themselves in reality he panics and starts to scream and like be like we need to get off the plane because it's gonna fucking explode and then all of that doesn't go super well as you can imagine but yeah so that happens a fight fucking breaks out and then they leave a bunch of people behind because it's like no you guys can't be on this plane you're being fucking crazy and everybody's being crazy um and then the plane does explode like moments later and everybody does a big deal afterwards all of the survivors begin to die in a series of bizarre accidents and Alex attempts to find a way to cheat death's plan before it is too late. Um, he seems to like he does. And six months later, it's like, oh, yay, we did. Uh, and Alex and Clear, Ali Larder's character, I always thought it was Claire Rivers. It is actually Clear Rivers. Just oh, so you know. Why? Uh, Alex, Clear, and Carter travel to Paris to celebrate their survival, uh, and they think that they've cheated death, and then Carter is crushed by a giant neon sign, and turns out, nope, not the deal. That's not how that works. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to be able to talk about horror in the early 2000s, but I think that has to be literally a whole topic on its own. definitely. It was so... uh, Because, like... Like I just kind of alluded to, we had September 11th and like also Y2K, that was an issue that happened right around then. There were a lot of things that made us very like fucking afraid of everything, but also we were able to get a lot more information. So they were like, here, here's all of your fears. And then also gore isn't enough. So here's way more than you'll ever need. And that's basically where this genre was. Final Destination isn't like a slasher film, and I wouldn't necessarily call it torture porn, because you're not just watching somebody die for three fucking minutes when they're, like, topless or whatever. One of the articles that I read called it tank top horror, and I really feel like that's kind of perfect. But yeah, so the first film establishes the series template, which is basically... Premonition, you see exactly the order that everybody dies, and then you get out and people still die in that order. It's a bad time. Uh, In the second, it is not a plane crash, but instead the most grotesque, terrifying highway pileup in all cinematic history, which having watched it recently, it is still very genuinely, like, that's the only scary part of any Final Destination movie yeah. where you're like, oh no, so many cars. And, it, like, <laughs> this one cop just dies because a, a log just goes through his fucking face. You know, it's a lot of that shit. Not a bad time when you're... Yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, in the third, it is a ridiculous roller coaster accident in the fourth, uh, it's a racetrack calamity, and that one was one of the ones when they're first starting to make 3D movies, so it doesn't <laughs> hold up super well. 
Uh, and then in the fifth, it is, uh, like, one of those uh, suspended bridges collapses, and that's a big goddamn deal. But uh, each of the movies features the survivors discovering new ways to potentially thwart death's design. But death keeps changing the rules because death is a dick and also. <laughs> Because I guess he can do what he wants. Yeah, well, and Death is like, you know, let's make this super complicated instead of just giving you an aneurysm, which would take, like, half a fucking second. Come on. It's like, I I always get to do the easy thing. Let's make this real stupid. Hey, I mean, that's fair. Like, sometimes, as a creative person, you have to do the really stupid things so that you can do the really, like, very brilliant things. Death is the creative person in this instance. I just... This is such a good follow-up to yours. (laughs) (laughs) I still don't get... So, like, maybe in the airplane one, Mm -hmm. because now all these people weren't on the flight, but in all the other ones, they'd just be replaced by other people. So I don't, why, why do you specifically need, need these people? You still got the hundreds mm-hmm. of other people in the log incident other than these ones. All those other people that now are on the highway in place of these cars that didn't go on the highway are now dead. Why do you need more? I don't think it's necessarily a quantity. It is a specific, like, this is my list. And you took people off of my list. But you don't need to kill. No, I think, I think. Death is a dick. <laughs> I mean, that's right. I just think, Does okay. It, isn't that exactly what I just this said? This is my list, and you took people off of my list, and I'm mad about it. I now I'm going else. to explode you in a tanning salon. I don't know. It's dumb. Uh, it's No one said death was smart. That is definitely not the deal. But yeah, so in the first, they realize that they can force death. If they can force death to skip one of them, then they can break the curse. Granted, like I said, in the first one, they're like, we made it. We made it to Paris. Everything's great. And then everybody gets smashed by a neon sign. No, it's not. (laughs) It's not great. And actually, they didn't make it. In the second, they decide that if what they needed is new life. So basically... There is a, like, pregnant lady, and she gives birth, and she's able to... Yeah. And uh, then she survives, and everything's great. But then they realize, actually, that she wasn't supposed to die in the first premonition of everything. Which one was this one in? Two. Okay, so she wasn't supposed to die. So she was never supposed to actually die. She wasn't on death's list. She wasn't like death. She was going to survive. She was going to survive that originally. So it really isn't a like new life makes things different. It's she's not supposed to die. And actually y'all are still going to fucking die. Uh, I think if I remember correctly. People getting premonitions. They're getting premonitions and they're not supposed to die. Death. Fucking get over it. I mean, I would assume. So this is me making assumptions. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like death is just throwing it, throwing the biggest tantrum ever. I think death is also doing the premonitions just to be a dick. Oh, okay. Be like, yo, here's a premonition. Here's a thing that you can Because I'm bored. I really want to kill these people. I'm crazy so ways. bored. Would you like to try and stop this? Oh, you can't? <laughs> That's my impression of death. I agree. Very vibes from that. I like it. 
okay, I can work with this. But yeah, so they, in the end of the second one, they end up like drowning this girl and then she gets resuscitated and then she's okay and off of death's list and that's the only one where it's not like just kidding you're gonna die but whatever sometimes you have to have a semi-happy ending where one person lives (laughs) uh not my favorite in the third they're taking like yearbook photos for their high school that weekend when everybody ends up dying on the roller coaster and all the photos have like um roller coaster have like clues oh my god there are so many literally any song that has roller coaster in the lyrics is in this fucking (laughs) right (laughs) also if you're gonna die on a roller coaster it really just is your time to go yeah like if you get on the roller coaster the one time it's faulty when you probably only go on roller coasters every three years, it's mm-hmm. just your time to fucking go. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> that's just how it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> but what about all those people that weren't supposed to die? Death doesn't care? I mean, basically. <laughs> death is petty. And death is like, I would like this life. And then he's like, oh... I slapped this bug, and it turns out I slapped a bunch of other bugs that were nearby. It's fine. But I slapped it with, like, 40 different weird things, like, dominoes. That's that's how I ended up killing this. It's, it's fine. That's how you go. So, in the last one, Final Destination 5, which has some sort of a word or name, but I don't really fucking remember. Um, Final Destination 5. Final Destination. Mm-hmm. Fival destination. Ugh. Fival goes west. <laughs> it's final destination, but it's also Fival. He would outrun them. Oh, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in the end of the last final destination, where they're like, okay, we've got this, we've figured it out, we've basically figured out how to get out of this, and. Um, you know, make this so that we're going to actually survive. And then they're getting on a plane to go to Paris. And then you see at the front of the plane, they're also going to Paris. It's actually a prequel. It's a surprise prequel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you get to the end and literally it's like, you look at their plane ticket. It says the fucking year 2000. You look at... And then they all die on the first plane crash? They all die on that first plane crash. You think... That it's going to be a new thing. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. You would think after them surviving death and someone freaking out that the plane was going to explode... They were too far away. would get the fuck off the plane. They were way in the back and then basically like heard something going on and as they're like taking off the guy is like, hey, what was going on? And the flight attendant was like, oh, this boy was having a fucking freak out because he thought that this plane was going to explode. And he's like, like basically like you're stuck. You can't get off the plane. It's already moving. And it's gonna explode. And it's gonna explode and you know that's that. But it was like, it was a really fun callback. And then they they do, literally, they're like, oh, also, here, the credits are every single death in all of the Final Destination movies. It's like, oh, beautiful. 
In January 2019, they announced a new installment from Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema, and uh, they were maybe reimagining the franchise. We'll see how that goes. But they are actually filming it, and Jeffrey Reddick did confirm that uh, they are, that he's working on it, um, or they were working on it before COVID-19, but they were um, toying with it taking place in the world of first responders, EMTs, and firemen, and stuff like that, um, who kind of have to deal with death on the front lines every day and make choices that can make people live or die. It could be interesting. I don't really care as long as somebody gets blown up in a really stupid way. I don't feel like that's something they should play with. It's not, but you it's- know... I get the point of horror movies is, like, it could be a realistic, but that is, I feel like, something too close to people, like, versus I mean, that is horror also. Like, a lot of horror touches on, like, very real things like that. And I would say also there's no way that Final Destination is going to touch on anything in a way that matters. Yeah. So, you know, it will just be dumb. Considering that Final Destination 1 came out in 2000 and dealt with a plane crash, I can confirm that I think we're going to be okay with this one. Like I said, Final Destination, all of their rules for things, it's like, nope, turns out that rule wasn't a thing. The New Life one, it's like, oh, she wasn't actually supposed to die, so it doesn't really fucking matter. You're supposed to be able to take somebody else's life, but if you take someone else's life and they were going to maybe die soon, like uh, in Final Destination 5, somebody kills uh, one of his co-workers, but it turns out he had a terminal illness, so he just still ends up dying. But that doesn't make sense, because if you take someone else's life, that would just be like death taking all the other lives in your place. Mm-hmm. Turns out when humans try to be like, these are death's rules, and we're definitely going to escape death by doing these things, they're always wrong. They're literally always wrong. It's also because it's not a real. Well, no, it's not fucking real. Writing it, it's just like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Because I'm death and I can, and that's the point. I'm the writer, and I can, that's the point. Yeah. Both of those things are the point. (laughs) It's like, I, it doesn't have to make sense. It's just fucking death. And the most important thing about it is that it is inescapable. That's it. That's the, that's, that's it's the true. rule. It is inescapable. That's all you got. The rules get more confusing as of the course. movies go on. Of because course. there are too many rules. It's Marvel and trying they, to explain time travel. They do a better job. <laughs> like, far and away... Their rules are stupid. They're not that bad. I would watch for the... As I said, I rewatched all the Final Destination I, movies. No, I still I enjoyed them all. Part of it. I don't have to shriek loudly into the wind because Marvel doesn't understand time travel. Finally, here are some of my favorite deaths. This guy named Hunt uh, gets That's all... That's it? Just Hunt? I'm sure he has another la- like last name? First name? Hmm? No E-R at the end. No. his It could be his last name is Hunt and everybody just calls him Hunt because they're supposed to be high school aged. Clearly nobody is high school aged. Uh, he gets all the, the worst age. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's co- it could be college. It's, you know, it's not better, but like... <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, so this guy who is a super like fucking douche. douche, yeah, gets all the organs sucked out of his butthole by a swimming pool intake jet. I don't think that can happen. It not like this. <laughs> there are some you can have some swimming swimming pool things because there are definitely like true stories of somebody who was like I was trying to get it's mm. guys keep your dicks in your pants this is a like I tried to have this pull like like and guys keep your dicks in your pants in your butt and then you're like if you pull something through your butt it will it can pull your organs out that's a thing. It can't pull all of your organs out and spatter them all over somebody's fucking face, but it can, like, y- you can have intestine problems. <laughs> you can have problems. That's an issue. That is a thing. Well, I feel like they obviously looked up the weirdest things and then just took them oh, yeah. times 100. <laughs> or just some of them is just clearly somebody thought too much about this and I was like <laughs> what it is is it's everybody's small worries turned up to a thousand <laughs> which is exactly why Final Destination is so like enjoyable they definitely called your mom it's like yes actually you can <laughs> die from all of these things every single one they definitely called your mom for <laughs> ideas <laughs> it's like Jaws 3D like spurts his organs all over the place like Stupid. Did you so, laugh really hard? Oh my god, are you kidding me so much? I was like, this is disgusting. I know where this is going. <laughs> I'm unhappy. Um, Andy the mechanic gets <laughs> torpedoed with an air tank. So basically an air tank like and hits him into a fence and then he gets like cut up in it. It's disgusting and gross. He gets cut up into like teeny little pieces. And oh, is that how things would work? No, I don't think. No, no matter how fast that air tank got, poofed, it wouldn't be fast enough to do that. <laughs> to turn you into cookie pieces because you hit a fence? No, no, it wouldn't. If anything, the fence would would break, yeah. and you would go through the fence. Yep. <laughs> It's, yeah, and it's it's fun because it's a misdirect because he's in a body shop. He's, like, working as a mechanic, and there are so and many, man, like, yeah. zooms in on the, like, ooh, there's a uh, bunch yeah. of sparks over here. And there Even just, so... like, the car falling on him. Yep. <laughs> They're, like, it's, like, here are all the ways you can die, and here's the way we're gonna <laughs> do it. Which is a lot of Final Destination when they, like, edge into sort of the, like, comedic parts of the deaths. Nora gets decapitated by the shittiest elevator in operation. I don't remember what happens in that she gets like stuck with her head out or something like that. Something gets stuck and then she can't get back in and then... Yeah, yeah falls. And then that's that. Yep. And then that's that. And has happened in many movies. Yeah. Weirdly, that's the only elevator death in all of Final Destination. That doesn't actually surprise me, though, because I feel like elevator deaths are normal. And also elevators are something. Like elevators. Intricate. Yeah. So there are only few ways you can die in an elevator, but mm-hmm. an elevator death, I feel like, is something that everyone is freaked out about because no one wants to be stuck in an elevator. And everybody thinks about the fact that they're going to have to pull it open and crawl through this small space. And, and just as they're crawling through is when it's going to fall. Mm-hmm. 
or well, this was like not even a fall; it was like a slowly going up. Ooh, Ooh yeah, that's rough. It was gross, um, but you know, kind of fun. Olivia gets her eye burned out of her skull while she's getting LASIK. Like, you shouldn't have gotten LASIK once you got in Final Destination, bitch. Are you kidding me? Uh, Until you figure out how to fucking fend off death, you don't get fucking LASIK. No, no, no. You can wear glasses for a couple more fucking days. (laughs) Jesus. Um, And then she ends up falling. After that, she falls out a window and her other eye falls out. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. First of all, I was like, this is special to me just because it's funny. Uh, but yeah. The fact that her other eyeball then fell out. God, you guys know what you're doing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, uh, okay, this one is for you. Uh, Lewis gets his head crushed by a weight machine. Aww. Uh, and it's but such, such what a, like, kind of weight machine lets your head be in, in it? I will tell you a normal gym weight machine is not going to let your head be in the weights. It doesn't let your head be in the weights necessarily. So basically, uh, he, they're talking about like how death is out to get everybody. And he's like, no, not me. I'm this person. He's literally screaming like fuck death as he like bangs out a bunch of reps. And then this gym has some like scimitars because that's it's like weird symbol they end up falling and slicing something that holds everything so that it wouldn't end up smashing his head and then it literally crushes his head I need to see this weight machine you should because first of all this scene is literally hilarious the typical weight machine Mm -hmm. there's no way a head is going in between the heavy weight no. So I'm like, what does this weight machine look and of like? Course, I can't tell you literally. <laughs> no, anything. I know. Let's want to be like, what is this weight machine that it would be set up this way that they could even <laughs> do this? Because that's not obviously like my like literally. I do worry when I do weight machines that I'm gonna catch my fingers sometimes. That's fair. But there's no way for my head to be stuck. No. <laughs> Unless two scimitars sliced a bunch but of things. But I don't know what machine it. he's on for that but to yeah, happen. No. <laughs> and also, you'd have to have two scimitars. <laughs> Which is in no gym ever. Scimitars. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Scimitar Gym. <laughs> also, Scimitar Gym sounds like the sickest fucking name ever. Okay. Oh, shit. Okay, okay. Uh, an entire shopping mall basically explodes in Final Destination. And <laughs> we want to kill this one person, so we're going to take every single person out yeah. at this mall. It's a huge, like, there's a lot of... <laughs> this person <laughs> wrote, An irresponsible number of flammable barrels ignite and explode, launching debris through the movie screen that absolutely skewers Janet. Then Lori gets ground up by an escalator, which is sufficiently gnarly, but also makes no sense as she starts coughing up blood when her foot gets crushed. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no way your foot would get crushed. Did it all just shoot up through her leg and out of her mouth? <laughs> Anyway, the sequence rules in this movie should have ended here, but it turns out to be uh, one of the next visions. Can you imagine if they made escalators that could actually eat your foot? I mean, I know you can get your, like, hair and yeah. shoelaces caught. Maybe fingers if you're a small child. I don't want to read about that, so I don't know. <laughs> 
The only escalator deaths I know. It eats you. The whole the escalator just crunches you. It turns out it was actually just like a mimic, and it was like, "Hello, I've been pretending to be an escalator, but home, home, home." <laughs> you looked like you were delicious. <laughs> Ugh, so annoying. <laughs> Uh, there is one sequence with this kid named Tim. He's at the dentist, which, again, don't go to the doctor if you've been final destinationed. It's true. That's the rules. That's the fucking uh, rule. But yeah, so uh, he there's this rubber fish that's hanging above him in like a mobile. The dentist leaves the room for a minute. The rubber fish falls into his mouth, and then he starts to fucking choke. Um, and then the guy comes in and pulls it out of his mouth at the very last minute. And then he, uh, so, and at the very beginning of all of this, a pigeon hits the, like, window while they're, like, getting prepped for whatever dental procedure they're doing. Yep. And, like, smacks into it, and then... As pigeons do. Yeah. But it's just, like, supposed to be, like, mm, spooky. So, yeah, he survives. He doesn't choke to death in this dentist chair. There's some weird pigeons. Why doesn't he pull it out? I think he's on some sort of, like a, like a sleeping gas, not a sleeping gas, but you know, one of those ones where the you can't really, gas. yep. Though I feel like when I was on laughing gas, if something started to choke me, I would wake up I enough to pull it out of my have Very, I was very out of it on laughing gas. Well, I was too. And I definitely remember like sleeping. Mm-hmm. I definitely fell asleep a few times, Yeah, but I felt like if I was choking, I would, my adrenaline would kick the gas out of my system enough for me to pull the fucking thing out of my fucking mouth. Yeah. That's you. This boy, there's literally, I don't think there's any amount of adrenaline that would make him into not a fucking little nerd. Fair. But anyhow, so yeah, he survives all of this and then he goes outside to like get in the car with his mom. And there's a bunch of pigeons there. Hold on. Let me get through this because this is important. Okay, I'm sorry. And he goes out to, like, fucking <laughs> gallop after these pigeons and chase them away. And they're the only thing that he fucking cares about in the goddamn universe. The pigeons dislodge this giant pane of glass that's hanging from a crane. And Tim gets smooshed into, like, basically human liquid. Like, pulverized. needs nothing. After this whole, like, harrowing fucking dentist thing. And then he just gets crushed. Because he chased some fucking pigeons. Okay, sorry, what were you saying? I don't think it's responsible for the dentist to put this person oh. on laughing gas and then leaving the room. He, They can sue him. And I almost choked to death. I am suing you. you have, why do you have a mobile above? Right above my fucking mouth that's open because I'm at a dentist office. Like, there were, yes. Uh, yes, you could sue the fuck out of this person. <laughs> Unfortunately, he didn't die there. He died from the the pigeons. I still think you could sue them for almost choking to death. I mean, you could, but <laughs> at this point, it doesn't really matter because I think his mom ends up dying in like a fucking minute anyways. Oh. Um, well, was she in the final destination? Yes, she uh, was also final destination. So, uh... <laughs> Um, so the, the vodka one, she has the hot mug and the cold vodka for whatever fucking reason. It doesn't really matter. Her mug cracks, leaks vodka onto her computer monitor. The monitor (laughs) explodes and slashes her throat with a shard of glass. 
The trail of vodka from her leaking mug ignites and blows up her cooktop. She pulls a block of knives down onto herself. A shelf collapses and blows up the oven. A chair falls onto the knife and turns her chest and impales her further. And then her entire house blows the fuck up. <laughs> and that should be my favorite. But there's one more. <laughs> None of that would happen. No. As someone who has had a glass of water spill on my laptop. Yeah. None of that would happen. It doesn't randomly explode at you. No. (laughs) Also, vodka, like, isn't going to be flammable like that. No, no. And uh, (sighs) No, no. The only thing that makes sense is pulling the knife down on your Yeah. That's the only thing. But also, if you pull the knives down on yourself, are your knives at, like, the edge of your fucking counter? Usually when people have a block of knives. She's grabbing them to, like, try and pull herself up. Who is grabbing a block of knives to pull themselves up? An idiot teacher. Just use the fucking countertop. I'm not saying (laughs) that she's not smart. That she is smart. That is, I'm not saying that she is smart. She is clearly not (laughs) And also, Death was like, how can we hammer this home? Oh, I will literally hammer it with a chair falling on the knife in your chest. It's mine! And then my favorite is when they think everything is good to go at the end of the second film and everything is fine and, like, turns out we did actually beat Death by this thing, blah, blah, blah. Brian, this kid who's at his family... Nick ends up getting blown into jello by a tragic barbecue mishap. The title of this death was Surprise Child Explosion. <laughs> uh, and yeah, his flaming body parts sailing onto the picnic table in front of his mother and the rest of his family. Uh, random exploding children are always, this is a quote, random exploding children are always welcome in my house. This is a delightful way to end the second film, and it happens out of the blue. And this is like the second movie, so you never know, maybe someone could survive. Mm-hmm. By like, fifth movie, you know You're it's not like, going to no. happen. But like, second movie, something could second still happen. Where somebody's like, I know the first one, no one survived, but the second one, maybe well, they figured something out. The first one, one person did yeah. survive. Clear Rivers. survives because she's in the second movie. Did she die in the second movie? Yep. She gets, like, exploded. Somebody explodes and she also explodes because she's there trying to, like, save them. And I was like, you shouldn't... You should have known that you have already cheated death. Don't try to help other people. Well, that was the thing. She didn't for a really long time because I think it was, like, five years after and she just checked herself into an insane asylum and was like, if you come into my place, you can't bring literally anything, any of these things... Sharp things, blah, blah, blah. Anything that could potentially... It's just her in, like, That paper clip, get the fuck out. Nope. Unacceptable. Because it will... It will kill me. And turns out, yes, it probably would have. But yeah, so uh, that is Final Destination. Um, I think I would just kill myself. You can't. Oh, you can't? Mm Mm-mm. This, uh, one of them, I can't remember which movie because obviously I've watched all of them recently, so they're all Learned blended together. into one. But yeah, there's a, a guy tries to tries to shoot himself and like it misfires for six rounds, and then tries to hang himself, but people come and catch him at the wrong, like last minute, that sort of thing. 
death, you dick. Yeah, death is like my also, way or the highway, <laughs> bitch. I know. Actually, I'm giving you me. taken the highway, bitch. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I think depending on what death you had, the guy who just got squished at the dentist. It's a quick one. That was a quick one. Yeah. You didn't even see, he didn't even see that coming. Oh, not at all. So was that like, was pigeons, fine. And yeah. Was like, and then he was dead. So that's fine. Now you have no bones. Yeah. It's fine. But yeah. So like, I don't know. Something about Final Destination. It's the many minor dangers of our sad little lives. Fans and spills and electrical sockets and pool drains and cutlery and like literally every single dumb little thing. They're weaponized in these movies. Which, uh, might be weirdly a way that there's, like, why they're so strangely cathartic. It seems, uh, strangely apropos that the first Final Destination opened with a plane crash in 2000, and one year later, that's when everything went to shit. Basically, we've been in a huge state of anxiety ever since, and it is fucking exhausting and it can make life look like a series of booby traps and you can waste your days uh, creating what if scenarios in your head I know that is my entire my therapist is like please stop doing this and I'm like I'm fucking trying kind of I'm trying I'm um, trying enough yeah it's very very hard like there's a lot of us being traumatized by real life horrors that are not huge or big or anything and Final Destination meets us halfway and says you're right the socket is going to blow the oil is going to spill the crane's going to collapse your mom can never watch these movies no she can't she can't watch literally she can't watch fucking Jeepers Creepers so she literally can't watch any she can't watch not Jeepers Creepers she can't watch Jeepers Creepers 2 Uh, so no, she's not allowed to watch anything. But yeah, the kayak that you hung on the wall will fall, and the weights will crush your head. The your right right to be worried about the automated car wash and the fireworks and the slippery bathroom tiles and the pool drain. All of these things will kill you. And won't that be fucking stupid? And that's like weirdly and strangely liberating thought. I would die on a spin bike. Probably. She died doing what she loved. <laughs> so, um, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Spooktacular episode two. Hope you enjoyed. Sorry, it went in a very, very it different went, direction. Went all over the place a little bit there. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine, everyone. So make sure you please, please, please rate, review, subscribe. I always check. I enjoy it. I get excited when I see a new rate, review, subscribe. Yeah. So please send us a nice message. And uh, you can find us, of course, on Apple Podcasts and then on Spotify. We're also on the ESO Network, and you can find us on Podbean. And always, 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 we'll see you next Tuesday. Tuesday. Death is a dick. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.